0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. All right, are you ready for the word of God? Thank you, Jesus. All right, turn your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verse 40. This is a text that talks about Jesus when he was but a child, you know, in the, in the incarnation. And, and it's very profound because there's something I want to extrapolate from this. Luke chapter 2 verse 40. Are you there? Come on. If you're there, read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Oh, my God. We need to bring back Bible sword. Some of you can be faster. or Maybe you're waiting for the screen. Luke chapter, tw- chapter two, verse 40. Read together, one, two, go. This is so powerful. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. I like this text because it emphasizes two different types of growth. I mean, if it stopped at the first expression, you would have thought he was talking about biological growth alone. Yeah. Jesus grew physically and biologically, but not just that, he also grew spiritually. So the Bible tells us that just the same way you can grow physically, you can grow spiritually. Amen, somebody. In fact, that's why we're here. Say, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. It says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. The same way you can go to a gym. With consistency, you just discover you're getting stronger. You know, randomly, some time ago, I remembered my first time in the gym, and I was laughing. Because the first time I did a bench press, it was with just the bar. <laughs> uh, laugh. <laughs> God has changed my story. <laughs> and, you know, the guy said, carry it 10 times, and I thought he was going to kill me. 10 times, just bar. You don't understand. I was, uh, you know, have you ever been to the gym and you thought there is a kind of weight you can never carry in your life? But with consistency, it became easy. It became easy. A time came, I couldn't even use that equipment anymore. It became too small. So I had to change it. I had to give it out to someone else who was a beginner. And got something more sophisticated. And that's that's the beauty of progress. It's measurable. You can tell from whence you came, the child grew. The same way you can grow in understanding. You can grow in the things of the spirit. The, th- the same things that scared you before when you hear demon. But before they finish the word, when they say d, de- you're running. But now with ease and authority. Because he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall expel, not negotiate out. They shall expel demons. You know, So that's growth to be able to say, this is where I was and this is where I am now. Take spiritual growth seriously. You can be coming to church every time and not be growing spiritually. Just the same way like it is often said, The fact that you're in a car park, the fact that you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. So you have to make sure that there is actual transformation in your life. Please, are you listening to me? The child grew. Mention your name. Say, I'm growing. growing. Call your name and say, I'm growing. (laughs) Emmanuel Irine is growing. I'm waxing strong in spirit. Say, I'm advancing in spiritual understanding. Say, I'm advancing in spiritual insights. Say, I'm getting better with spiritual law trances. (laughs) Hallelujah. There are two marks of spiritual growth. Listen, not only two, but I just want to emphasize two. And we dwell on this, and we're out of here, and I'll, I'll see you in the afternoon. Two marks of spiritual growth. Number one, appreciation for spiritual things. That's a mark of spiritual growth. Not just of spiritual growth, but even salvation. Get thee behind me, Satan, Jesus said to Peter, for you savor not the things that be of God. It's a very big red flag if you have no appetite for the things of God. Nothing moves you. Listen, and so if you were here when we were shouting and rejoicing and you felt lost, I, I, I don't judge you, but I don't want you to remain that way. It might have even felt strange to you. You're wondering, why are they jumping? But when you were watching the TV, and your favorite team scored, it was natural for you to jump. So you don't see what is strange about you finding it okay for someone to be excited about his team and for you to find it strange, you know, that people are excited about God. You are the one who is strange. I mean, what happened to you? Hallelujah. So when we shout and we jump, because of our God, it is normal. Come, come on, do you agree with me? Yeah. So the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, four, verse 1, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, meaning if you are truly born again, you're truly saved, He said your appetite will change. It says, seek those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. I call it a miracle of changed desires that when God saves you, your appetite will change. Are you listening to me? Seek those things. Meaning the things of God will begin to interest you. The things of God. And we can tell that because of the great inconvenience you are ready to endure for the things of God. Because some people find it perfectly normal to cross oceans to study. But just... A church that is maybe five miles away is too far. You can cross oceans for a medical appointment. You know, and you have to say, God is seeing all these things. God is supposed to be your chief joy, your highest joy. And he's seeing you have prioritized and you have put him last. He says, see those things which are above where Christ seated on the right hand of God. He said, Set your affections. Not the person by your side says, set your affections, set your affections. You, you need to reprioritize. You like football too much. Set, you know, and you are losing anyway. You are a Chelsea fan. Get some tastes in this life. Set your affections. Set your affections. You're, you're still calling Ronaldo the goat." Get some taste in this life, right, (laughs) please. Set your affections. I've been seeing your tweets. (laughs) Hallelujah. Set your affections. So, there must be this personal assessment regularly in my life. It is okay for me to like sports. You know, for instance... I was flying, you know, midnight, praying about this service, but as I was praying, I was following the scores, playoffs, I shoot, <laughs> Golden State, maybe that's why we lost. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, I'm God, I beg. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying that so that you understand it's okay to like sports. It's okay to want to do well in life. But when these things become at the expense of your relationship with the Lord, no, you must reprioritize because you cannot serve God and mammon. Come on, are you with me? No one can have two masters. So everything in my my life must recognize their place. Everything in my life is beneath the place of God in my heart. Amen, somebody. Not money, not not the praises of men, nothing. Nothing. So appreciation for spiritual things is one. Number two, a person who has grown spiritually would have caught a spiritual vision. The same way you plan for your career, have a career growth part, and you say, in the next five years, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. The same way, you must get uncomfortable just coming to church and disappearing. When people like you are serving God wholeheartedly, finding out how to advance the cause of the gospel in this city, then you, you want to remain a consumer. It's, you can't claim to be growing and continue like that. You must find something to do. You must find something to do. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, from whom... Ephesians four sixteen. From who the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. This is the will of God. Can you say every joint supplies? Every joint supplies. Meaning every one of us here seated should be able at a moment's notice to tell definitively, without without circumlocution, what you are doing to advance the cause of the gospel in this city. What's your own part? How are you contributing? I'm happy you come to church. That's a good start. But you have to understand that he gives some apostles, prophets, and all all the ministry gifts till we all come. So we know you're growing when we bring you to where we are, and you have the same sense of responsibility. Come on, are you with me? This is the secret of Celebration Church, and this is why churches can grow in my absence. Because... I've been able, by the grace of God, to put in the people I've trained a sense of responsibility. And not just that, a sense of urgency. This is my first time in this nation. But but look at this hall. Do you understand what I'm saying? And now, that should challenge you also. God can use me. Come on, are you with me? God can use me. Ah, my God, my contribution can count. You know, I like to remind people of this. One day you will see Jesus. The moment you see him, ah, you will wish you can run back and do more for him. But it will be too late. The moment you see him, you will not be able to do more than you've done. For many people, it will be a heartbreak because when you see him, you will know that he matters more than anything else you pursued in your life. And you will never be able to prove it to him again. You will not always be able to prove your love for Jesus. I want you to understand that. Now is the time. Please, are you listening to me? So I want to just expand these two points. Then we pray. We'll come back this evening for a powerful time. Let me start by doing a brief, scanty commentary of two verses. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 and then Luke chapter 15 verse 7. Both of them are relatively popular. Turn the Bibles, Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. This is the first time Jesus preached in his incarnation. It must be an important sermon. This sermon must have taken at least 18 years to prepare. Are you aware? I'm saying at least 18 years because we know that Jesus knew he was the son of God at the age of 12. One of the biggest shades in the entire Bible. Jesus is in the temple, you know, listening and and his biological parents, quote and unquote, are looking for him and you're just trying to be responsible. Hey God, this child that God gave us is missing. Mary's like, what do I tell the angel Maybe she's already preparing to say, I told you. I told you I'm not highly favored. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they eventually find him and, whew, what a relief. It must have been very difficult to try to raise Jesus. Because in that moment, normally, your natural Africanist is like, bah, bah, bah. what, <laughs> what, what, what. Huh? It gets worse. Joseph, Jesus tells Joseph, Did you not know that I'll be about my father's business? In case you never noticed, that means he's saying, I know you're not my dad. (laughs) What? I was about my daddy's business, not you. Oh, my God. But at least we know that at the age of 12, he already knew who he was. And that's a sermon on its own. Some of you need to learn from Jesus. The fact that you know what your life's assignment is, but because it's not time, you are ready to wait another 18 years. When a hasty generation, people will just go out half picked because they are trying to compete. Imagine knowing you are the son of God at the age of 12 and waiting till you're 30. Whatever else Jesus did for me is not as difficult as waiting. I mean, just think about that. That's a side note, you know, right there. But I said, the sermon eventually must have been at least 18 years in the making. He's he's waiting for the right time. And so the first sermon must have been important. And the first thing he says, Matthew chapter five, verse seven, or verse three. I beg your pardon. Are you there? Read together. One, two, go. Come on, you can do better than that. One, two, go. Do it louder, One, two, go. This is the first sermon Jesus ever preached. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is the kingdom of heaven. What does this mean? First and foremost, I know that some of you have been reading this since you were in Sunday school. But there's something you never noticed. I'm sure most of you never noticed. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong. This text has a bit of sarcasm. Do you not realize Blessed are the poor in spirit. Aren't we all poor in spirit? Don't you understand that spiritually we are all bankrupt, aliens from God? We are lacking behind when it comes to spiritual graces. All have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Come on, you know that, don't you? So when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, as if there are some humans who aren't, what do you mean? It's just like saying, the humans who need to drink water are lucky. Newsflash, we all do. So why is he saying this? He is saying this because even if we all are poor in the spirit, not everybody realizes it. And the people who realize that they are poor in spirit are blessed. So I'm talking about appreciating spiritual things. Do you understand what I'm saying? So even if it is... Meant to be for everybody, the people who recognize it are the ones who are blessed. To be poor in spirit is to recognize your need for God. The fact that without the sacrificial redemptive work of Christ, you, you, you are damned and you are doomed. To be poor in spirit means the same thing as to be to hunger and thirst after righteousness to know that you are not insufficient in your own self. I need God. I'm going to show it by my devotion. I'm going to show it by my faith. Not everybody knows that. As I was driving down here, by the way, in some shape or form, London is worse than Lagos, I'm just saying, but (laughs) there is no traffic in Lagos on Sunday. Offset. So, <laughs> but now I, I'm, I'm seeing people, you know, as you're here, praying and scabashing, there are people, you know, walking their dogs and doing, I've never seen anywhere so busy on Sunday. Do you understand? And maybe they see a few people going to church and you're just like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> you know, so... I mean have you ever really been interested in something and you showed it to someone and they were not interested Th- that thing can pain you know <laughs> it's painful maybe there was a skit you found very funny <laughs> and then you sent it to your friend like ah, you, know, ah, you know and must say ah ha ha It's not your fault, bro. It's not your fault. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, that's what happens when, you know, you're so in love with Jesus. You know, I remember years ago, I was praying in my room and just crying all by myself. My daughter, who was just a toddler at the time, was looking for me, just stepped in and sees me crying. Daddy, why are you crying? I said, because I love Jesus. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, this love of our life, how do we help people see? Well, God says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize Their need for me. The Bible says, he came to his own. His own received him not. He says, but as many, do you understand? Oh, you aren't ready? As many as received him, to them he gave what? The power to be called the sons of God. Even to those who believed on his name. Anybody like that here today? (laughs) Glory to God. You know, the second text, you know, is also relatively popular. I mean, even if you've not read it, you've sang it. Luke chapter 15 verse 7, it says, I say to you likewise that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Maybe you don't understand this. This is big sarcasm. You sang about it a million times and you still don't get it. He fights till I'm found and leaves the 99. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. It, it, Do you understand the true context? Do you understand that that was sarcasm? Follow the context. The Bible tells us in verse 1 that tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees, the same Pharisees and Sadducees who wouldn't listen to him, They have a problem with the fact that sinners want to hear Jesus. And and they said, this man is receiving sinners and eating with them. And Jesus said, well, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99. By 99, he's talking about the Pharisees who are self-righteous and feel they don't need repentance. Do you get that? So it's, it's, it's not really a good thing to be 99. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the actual context. That's the actual context. That's what he's saying. So it's sarcasm. He's saying, Well, you don't need repentance. It's an African thing. You know, if you stretch something to a child and the child doesn't really show appreciation, you say, Who wants? Have you experienced something like that before? You know, that's what God does. He came to his own. His own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the sons of God. This is what he meant when he says, if these people are not allowed to cry out, the stones will cry out. Stones will cry out. And if the leaves don't do their job, another foreign plant will be grafted in. And God is going to use the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy, as he is doing till this day. Come on, are you with me? And so this is a warning. The point of all I'm saying is this. Learn to appreciate spiritual things because there are some graces, especially devotional graces, that can be withdrawn from you. Because he gives more grace only to the humble. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, when you have the opportunity to experience the things of God, appreciate it. When it's time to jump, jump. When it's time to shout, shout. And that's why sometimes we, we try to get you to shout. We're training you to appreciate the things of God, to prioritize the things of God, to loosen up. You know what? Just shout to God for no reason, for no reason. Just, just be excited. Yeah. What he has done for me is something to shout about. Listen, he took the stony heart out of my flesh. Gave me a heart of flesh. You know, when you're reading the words of John, you could tell even from the writing, the emotions entrenched in the verse. It says, unto him that loved me and washed my sins with his own blood. You, You could feel it. Or when Paul says to the church at Galatia, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You know, so when someone sees your devotion, they may not have seen your Messiah before, but they should be able to tell from a demeanor, you are seeing someone. You are in love with someone. Just the same way, Your guy who vowed to be single all his life—you catch him one day with one girl. You know, he's always different. He's always giggling. You know, (laughs) and they're waiting for him to be done. (laughs) Come, Cupid has shot you an arrow. (laughs) A finished man. The same way it must be obvious about your spiritual devotion, I'm in love, I'm in love. Hallelujah. And so, the Bible, in its attempt to ingratiate this mentality into your consciousness, uses metaphors that we can relate to, I mean metaphors that are symbols of values in the natural. So for instance, when you say someone is rich, that same metaphor has been used spiritually, are you aware that in Christ, God calls you rich? There is such a thing as rich in faith. James calls it rich in faith. It's a different currency. The problem is a lot of people only recognize people who are rich in money. There's a popular saying, uh, may you never be so poor that all you have is money. You see, you see so there are things more important than money. So when Paul Tells the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. He says that the eyes of your understanding may be flooded with light. to know the hope of his calling. And the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Listen. You might have been from a poor background and your dad left nothing to his name. But he says you have an inheritance in Christ. Do you believe that? The riches of the glory of his Inheritance. You have a rich inheritance in Christ. You're poor in the natural, maybe, and even that not for long. Amen, somebody. But you're rich in God, and you have to learn to celebrate that and be as excited about that and even more than you are excited when money comes into your hands. I might not have a car yet, but I'm rich in the Lord. I might not have a job just yet. I mean, since I came into the city, I have been trusting God for a job. Yes, and I will keep trusting God. I know it's going to come. But listen, I have something more than gold. Anybody, can you relate to that at all? Oh, I am trusting God for residency, citizenship. You know, but you know what? I'm rich in the Lord. And in fact, the consciousness of these riches will make you see people who don't have what you have. And you pity them. Because there is nothing you would rather have than faith in this Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody. Say, I'm rich in faith. faith. Say, "I'm I'm rich in the Lord. Another metaphor, and I'm going to dwell on this more. The Bible calls the man in Christ blessed. Oh, my God. You know, this is another terminology that has become popular in our day, relatively so. When you see... Your friend in a nice car. Oh man, bro, you're blessed. You know, when you visit his office and you look at how nice it is and you can see evidence of transactions. You know, the guy is doing numbers. You say, sis, you know, I'm talking about ladies now. Yeah. I know I have to clarify. You know? Oh, it's okay, it's okay. He you know, sis, You're blessed. You know, but when you come to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, listen, now this is spiritual maturity. Are you getting what I'm saying? That you can be fascinated about the things Jesus is fascinated about. Imagine you were there, you looked at when Jesus suddenly broke into a dance. Jesus was talking to the disciples, and suddenly he does this, whoo! And they're like, What happened? What happened? I thank you, oh, Father. You have hidden this from the adults. You've given it to the children, you know? Like, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You know, but the time comes. You feel that. It blesses you. And you're not dancing along just because you're in church, and it's going to be weird if you don't. You truly get it. It's a privilege. So open Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I know you know it, but I want you to read it, you know, with the excitement that it deserves. Are you with me? Read it together. 1, to go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'm blessed oh my God, I'm blessed. I'm bl- Listen, there are a lot of things I would like to wear I can't wear yet, I can't afford it, but, but I'm blessed, I'm blessed, blessed with every, 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 every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And you're like, what blessing is this? You don't have to guess. He tells you in the following verses. He says, he chose us in Christ to be holy and without blame before him in love. That because of what Christ has done, I can stand before God without any guilt. You know what Paul told the church at Colossae? He says he has made us holy and above reproach in his sights. That I can stand before God, righteous, without any feeling of inferiority. Or like Isaiah, Isaiah said, woe is me, you know but I belong in the presence of God. I, listen, do you understand what I'm saying? I was born there. I'm not afraid I'm going to die. It is that presence that gave birth to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I belong there. Don't, don't you understand? It says that we should approach the throne of grace with boldness. That's a New Testament reality. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed me. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Christ has given me access. I feel at home in the presence of God. That's, that's where I belong. That's where I belong. In the cleft of the rock. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And now, God doesn't have to hide his face from me. Oh, come on. Don't you understand? It is the God of this world that has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. Lest they see glory in the face of Jesus. But we all with open face it is the people of the world who can see glory in the face of Jesus we with open face beholding us in a glass the glory of the Lord we are changed glory to God not only have we seen the glory the glory changes us we interact with the glory of God when we pray when we study that's my life glory to God Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed me? Personalize it, somebody. Who has blessed me? Blessed with, me. All with all spiritual blessings. In heavenly, In heavenly places. In Christ. He doesn't just stop there. I read to you verse 4. I want you to see verse 5. Verse 5. He says, Having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Listen this God that created the whole world, he's my daddy now. I'm son of God. Don't you understand? He's God to everyone, he's daddy to me. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. And some of us, we can relate to that in a natural way, but not in a spiritual way. You know, there are some, like I said earlier, there are some surnames you hear and you're like, wait. Which dangote is he? Which dangote? (laughs) (laughs) The dangote is your daddy. You're welcome, sir. (laughs) I'm sorry I spoke the way I spoke. It was just my mood. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, you are the son of God. Never commonize that. It says do. It does not yet appear. (laughs) <laughs> You're disguising. He doesn't yet appear. He says, but when he comes and we see him as he is, he says, we'll be changed. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes, is that something to be excited about? Yes. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. Give the Lord of praise in the house. Oh. Do you know Almost never in the Bible was blessing used to describe material things. Almost never. It's just, I I don't know where we got it in our culture. We use blessing, ah, you're blessed to, to talk about money and all of that. But in almost every context, it was used to describe something deeper and more enduring. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man whose sins are covered and whose iniquities the Lord will not impute. He calls that a blessing that God has declared you righteous by faith, not by your works. He says, Wow. So now you stand on the merit of Christ, not your own effort. You are blessed. You are blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Can, can you say that I'm blessed? <laughs> so he said, Blessed is the man. Anybody like that in this place? <laughs> hallelujah. When when Paul says, if any man be in Christ, do you know any man like that? Do you know anybody like that? Uh, hallelujah. That's 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 me. He wrote about me. I'm blessed. Blessed forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Look at what the Bible says, and I want you to put on your thinking caps because we're going to do a bit of Bible study now. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. Oh, dear Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 6. I need to speed this up because we're going somewhere. It says, just as Abraham believed God, And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Oh, my God. You you don't understand. Listen, if you were going to be righteous by your efforts before God, do you know how hard that would be? I mean, it's even hard to be blameless before man. Sometimes your intentions are hidden and men don't know. In fact, for instance... Your friends only know you did something wrong when you actually do something wrong. Or when you do something bad. But you see, when you do a good thing for the wrong reason, they don't know. God sees your thoughts, your hidden motives. He sees everything. He sees everything. He, that's the person you want me to impress. <laughs> it, 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 that's the person you want me to. It's not possible, it's not, it's not possible. He said, even your righteousness is as if you feel the rag right before me. So the Bible says, Abraham believed. All he had to do was believe. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Oh, that's a big blessing right there. Amen, somebody? Amen. He says, therefore know that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So he's telling the Jews. You are not a son of Abraham just because of your genealogy. You are a true son of Abraham when you believe as Abraham believed. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then this is verse 8. Oh my God, you need to pay attention to this because if you are seeing this for the first time, it's going to shock you. It says, and the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Saying, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, what you just read answers a very huge theological question. You might have heard it in different shape or form, but you know, it goes like this. If indeed Jesus is the only true path to eternal life, and that no one can see the Father except by him, What about people who existed before Jesus? Are they all damned? Are they all condemned? If you've had that question before or someone has asked you, raise your hand. You know, now, so now, this is your answer right here. It says, God foreseeing, come on, are you with me? That the Gentiles will be justified by faith, preached beforehand the gospel to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So now, now. This is it. We are saved by believing in Christ and what he has done. The saints of old were were saved by believing in Christ and what he will do. He preached beforehand. Come on, are you with me? He preached beforehand the gospel. And now, what was the gospel that Abraham heard? He says, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You are wondering, how is that the gospel? Let me break it down. First and foremost, what does it mean to be blessed? To be declared righteous, right? right? So now he's saying, through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. How will that happen? The Bible clarifies that when it says through Abraham, he was talking about through someone in Abraham's lineage, namely the Christ. Come on, are you with me? Yeah. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, and to seeds. He says, he says, as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So when he says, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed, he was talking about Christ. That somewhere in Abraham's lineage, someone will be born who will be propitiation for the sins of the world, and by people believing on him as Abraham did, they will all be declared righteous. Is that clear? Yes, sir. So, now... God brought Abraham in the cool of the night. He said, look at the stars. Right now, in the world, very likely you are the only one who believes in me. But not for long. You will soon be many. Look at the stars and picture it. The same way you cannot count the stars. One day, on this same earth, you will not be able to count the believers. Come on, are you with me? And that leads me to my next point on catching a spiritual vision. Catching a spiritual vision. I told you the Lord sent me here to raise an army. I say with all sense of humility, this ministry is one of the most prolific training ministries in the world right now. Five years ago, we had 250 members. Five years after, we have 10,000. Yes. God is up to something. Listen, these stories have to be told that the vision grew in the absence of the founder. I mean, this is New Testament ministry. It's not t- attached to any man. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the organic, viral gospel at work. New Testament-esque Canada explosion everywhere and it all starts with a vision. Come on, are you with me? What if you also had a vision, just like Abraham? Abraham believed God. He when God showed him the stars, he believed. One day we will be many. One day we so every time you are driving to church. And you see the road busy because people are doing all all manner of things. That's their leisure time, Sunday morning. walking their dog, buying, you know, somewhere buying donuts. (laughs) I'm not annoyed, though. (laughs) Mark my words. One day, we will be many. Are you listening to me? And God brought me here to sell you a vision. He's taking you in the cool of the night. Count the stars. Once upon a time, it was just Abraham. Now there are billions around the world. Abraham believed God. Will you believe God? Do you believe in what God can do through you in this city? Hey! He says, see if you can count them. That's the number of children, people who will believe like you, that I'm going to give. Paul says, thanks be unto God who causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus by making manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Meaning everywhere we go, the gospel has the same impact. Are you listening to me? Has the same impact. Every tribe, every tongue, same impact by the power of God. Now, thanks be to God, who causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It happened in Lagos, it's happening here right now. Uh And it might have taken us 10 years altogether to hit 10,000 in Lagos, I mean in Nigeria. It won't take you that long. Mark my words. I am telling you, something is about to hit the United Kingdom. Because something is about to hit you. Is going to start from within you. I mean, God is going to put such a fire on you. The world is going to come and watch you burn. Something happened in that burning bush that caught the curiosity of Moses. Moses had to see, what is going on here? I'm telling you, your neighborhood is coming to check. What? What is going on here? What is going on here? I remember how the Lord announced you know, my call to my relatives, just when I was trying to prepare the words, to tell them, you know what, you know, Daddy, I've been telling you, I've been telling you I need to tell you something. It goes like this. You've spent a lot sending me to school, private education, but I'm going to preach. (laughs) Good luck with that. But when you come home, And mommy is plagued with a disease people are afraid might take her life and has visible symptoms. And because of a few words that her son, her young son said in 2009, thereabouts, she wakes up the next morning and all the symptoms are dead. You just, this one is not a matter of, you know, you're sacking yourself to believe. I'm talking about medically proven the doctor checked, checked. He said, I, I, I don't see it. Her friend saw her and exclaimed, What happened to you? And she said, My son prayed for me. God can announce his work in more effective ways. And I'm telling you, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he's about to announce you. A self fulfilling prophecy in your life. By the anointing of the, something that will be self-advertising. Come on, are you with me? The world is coming to watch you born. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But you see, you have to catch the vision. Let me say this, and never forget this. Anytime there is a lot going on in your life that appears to be distracting you from church, watch it you are likely at the verge of the biggest revival in your life. You have to understand the devil is a spirit. He doesn't change. He doesn't grow old. He has the same uh, tricks in his book. How would you have persuaded Israel when they were in Egypt that even though every son two years and under was being killed, they were closer to their salvation than ever before. Did you hear what I said? How would you have persuaded them that actually the pain is a distraction? A savior has been born. Are you aware the same thing happened when Jesus was born? Herod tried to eliminate Jesus. Said every child two years and under should be killed. So listen, now this is the paradox. Are you ready for this? Listen carefully so you don't misunderstand. In every home in Israel, there was crying because toddlers were being killed, but angels were singing in the stars, in the sky, glory to God in the highest and peace amongst men. So in the realm of the spirit, God was announcing peace, but it looked like there was turmoil physically. Are you getting this? So how then... Do you reconcile this conundrum? Is God insensitive? Why are angels singing when everyone is crying? The reason is simple this Messiah that is born is going to put death in his place. The people are crying because death still has a sting, but this Messiah will bury death once and for all, and that's why even if Children are being killed. He will raise them up. This, this Messiah is the resurrection and the life. That means it doesn't matter how many people have died. It's still something to celebrate. Death has lost its sting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. So listen. Jesus is about to be glorified. He's literally about to levitate and leave his disciples. And the disciples are like, really? You're just going to go? After three and a half years of ministry, you just went about doing other things, you know, multiplying bread. We did not challenge you about political activism. You know, you have to understand, it's just like in Nigeria, where everybody's pressuring celebrities. Aren't you going to talk? Who are you going to vote? Soros, okay. (laughs) And Jesus, after his resurrection, has been with them 40 days. And he's about to go, and they're like, yeah, you've said a lot of nice stuff. When will the kingdom be restored to Jerusalem? And Jesus said, even if you don't know that, because those are times and seasons kept in the power of God, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me. Meaning as a believer, you don't wait for the nation to be right for you to preach the gospel. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are growing spiritually spiritually when you still have the sense of spiritual urgency in spite of contradiction. It might be personal or corporate. It might be national or it might be just your family. The work must go on. In fact, the presence of the trouble is usually an indi- indication that I'm doing something right. That's why the devil is giving you so much attention. is because he knows... That if you hear this sermon and believe it and face your assignments, oh my God, a giant is about to rise in this nation. He knows that. That's why he's distracting you so much. Now, every time you're perturbed about job, about money, D- did you not read the parable of the sower? That this word, deceit is the word of God, but because of the deceitfulness of riches, you're wondering, how do I put food on the table? How do I pay this mortgage? It, it chokes the word what the devil wants is the word of god he wants to make the word of god of non-effect in your hearts and so i show you a more excellent way even if we believe in a god of miracles make sure your devotion is not dependent on results in that spectrum are you with me Just keep on, keep on, keep on. God has a bigger plan for you. Bigger plan. So, at first, Abraham thinks it's about him. I've been serving God faithfully, I deserve a child. And then, after a while, he realizes even that child is just a courier for a bigger plan in the grand scheme of things. In me shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It was never about me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be so carried away asking for one when God wants to give you nations. It doesn't matter how blessed you are personally. Your greatest blessing is in your assignment. You want to be called father of one, father of you know your your true assignment and destiny is Abraham. Father of nations. Like everyone else, now you finally have a child. Are you satisfied? It's something bigger. Come on, are you getting what I'm saying? Something bigger. All generations will call you blessed. Not just by having one son. That's just A piece in the big jigsaw puzzle and the picture of the jigsaw puzzle properly arranged. One popular example I give, one day, a donkey strays out of Saul's house and they look for the donkey for days. They are frustrated. Oh God, please, I have one request. In fact, he says, I'm going to look for a prophet to tell me where the donkey is. You know, there are some people, that's the summation of they are going to church. I have a problem. God, I need an answer. You are looking for a donkey. God is looking for you. God used that donkey to lure Saul to a place where he would discover his assignment. What if you knew that? Saul went looking for a donkey. He came back with oil on his head. He was anointed king. Are you getting what I'm saying? What if I told you that, listen, the miracles you are seeking are but a subset of a bigger miracle God wants to perform in your life. For instance, some people keep reading John 11, you know, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. After four days, they miss it. They miss it. Follow the language and you will get it. Hey, if you will get this, it will hit you. Are you ready for this? So one of the sisters of the dead boy comes and says, can you raise my brother up? Jesus could have said, I will resurrect him. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. There's a difference. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh my God. Look beyond what happened to Lazarus and see the message. Jesus was using Lazarus to prove that he will raise everybody at the end. So, Lazarus was just an example of the bigger miracle. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, sometimes we are too subsistence in our thinking. Thinking small. Think is, imagine Peter, you know, praising God that he was toiling all night and he caught fish when Jesus said, you know, so small. And some people preach from that story, forgetting that from that night, Jesus told Peter, drop your nets. Follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. So Jesus used that small miracle to get him to focus on more important things. So the true story and the lesson from that story is not to get Jesus on your boots, so that your business will thrive. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people from that preach, get Jesus in your boat. You missed the point. After that night, Peter said, I will follow this man. I don't have to worry about my needs. If I focus on my assignment, my needs will be met. That's what he showed me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You want one resurrection, he is the resurrection. So what he showed them that night is, I'm not just going to raise your brother. Your brother, if I raise him up, he will die again. But this is what I am truly saying. Everyone who believes in me will never die. Never. Never. And so the Bible tells us, "Hey, It doesn't matter how long the believers have slept. It says at the final day, at the trump of God, He says, those who are dead will rise at the trump of God. Listen, by the way, this is where voice activation came from. (laughs) Before science, there was a spiritual science. There is something in you, oh my God. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a technology in you that can respond to that sound. It doesn't matter where you are, what you are doing. And that's why I've been advising some of you marry on time, oh, you know, because after you have wasted all the time when they are about to say I do, you know. Did Jesus not say that at that day some will be marrying, <laughs> two will be in the field, one week. Pa, hey. I think it will be fun. What if you could choose your style as you are going? <laughs> you know what style will you (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah what style will you like to appear (laughs) or something (laughs) (laughs) to check out of here glory to God glory listen you have a message that can change the world you have a message that can raise the dead You have a message that can give hope to all men. Don't allow your relatives look at you in heaven and call you wicked. Now is the time. Listen, all the other things you are praying for, with due respect, ma, sir, they are small. They are small. This is what Jesus was trying to teach. Even the same Jesus that can multiply five loaves and two fish, he was still not turn stone to bread. He was demonstrating that the power, the goal of power is not personal gratification. That's the goal. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you may feel religious coming to church every day. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. You, you are still small. This is the goal of power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be Witnesses. Unto me, it is not for personal consumption, it is a tool for evangelism. A tool, a tool, listen. And that's why, listen, if you don't know this, you you won't be seeing power in your life, it will be so small, it will happen once in a while, and you'll be wondering why. It will be because you see, even in places where gun laws permit people to have guns. There are some guns, civilians are not allowed to have. As long as you are using power only for yourself, there is a dimension of power you will never see. But when you take up your mantle, I'm telling you, there is a giant in you. God sent me here to wake up that giant. Give it a try. At least you've been praying every day. Some of the things you are praying about have not changed. Just cast all your cares. Change your strategy, right? Do you believe what I'm telling you? Change. Just say, God, here I am. Send me. I've been bothered about my own stuff, but I want to prioritize your assignment. You know, this is what Solomon did. When God gives you a blank check and says, ask me what you want. And you could have asked for riches you got to have asked for your, the life of your enemies. You say, just give me wisdom to rule God's people. God says, wow, you prioritize me. I will give you wisdom and I will give you the things you didn't ask for. That wealth you didn't ask for, I will give you more than any king has ever touched. There are prayers that will be automatically answered when you get your priorities right. Seek first. Come on, are you with me? Seek first. Get Get your pri- some things will align. Get your priorities right. Let me tell you something. I have the Lord bears me witness. I have never prayed for money since I got born again. I don't know how to do it. I say, Lord, please. how? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, I just feel too responsible. I'm I'm a soldier. Soldiers don't buy their own uniform. I can't be praying for clothes. I'm alive for the assignment. That means cloth must come. Soldiers don't buy their own shoes. Except in Nigeria. <laughs> but normally, right? Soldiers don't buy their own guns. I didn't send myself. And if I need food, it is not because, you know, I, I just want to live life, you know, and be, and be lavish. I have an assignment. Th- that's why some people wonder why some of us are so blessed. Because, you see, there is <laughs> a sense of responsibility that makes lack and aberration. It's, it Ravens will bring the food. So while others are praying for protection, when Paul, his boat is about to capsize, God will say, You will make it because I have more people in that city. I I know if you go there, you will preach. These boats, you you won't die. Know how to come to you. I challenge you this morning. Trust God with your life. Can you do that? If you give God your lifetime, He will take care of you. He will never, ever said I know whom I believed I know he's able to keep that which I have committed to his hands if you give God your lifetime he will take care of you he will never ever let you down